we're certainly living in challenging times. The early Christians also faced plenty of challenges as the community of believers worked out how to live for God in a hostile world. The apostles had the privilege of seeing Jesus for themselves, but most of the members of the early church would not have had that experience. Just like us, they came to believe in someone whom they had not seen. Seeing or sight is something we depend on all the time. We don't have to think about it, we just do it. There's a constant flow of visual information, which my brain processes all day long without fuss. Without it, I would struggle to function. Of course, those who have lost their sight find ways of compensating, but for most of us, that is really hard to imagine. But there's another kind of seeing, which is to do with understanding and how we perceive the world. Some facts, like a history lesson, perhaps don't touch us deeply. They don't affect the way we live. But other things can affect us profoundly and change the way we live completely. We have light bulb moments when we get it. The penny drops, the lights come on and everything changes. Our reading from Acts is just part of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out in power on the believers. That was a light bulb moment for many. Peter says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Even those who had not actually been present at a miracle knew about them through eyewitnesses, through people who had seen these events themselves. And Peter refers here to well-known facts. There were plenty of people around who could have corroborated this evidence. These miracles, wonders and signs were the proof that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was accredited by God. God marked him out as someone special. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Verse 23. Here's a clear reminder that nothing happens without God planning the long-term outcomes. If even the suffering and death of God's beloved incarnate Son was deliberately planned and known ahead of time, we can be sure that God is not shocked or caught on the hop by events in our own lives, not even this ghastly pandemic. God allows evil things to happen to bring forward his ultimate good purposes for the world. Our forgiveness through the death of Christ could not have come about without God permitting wicked men to have their way. But Peter goes on, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Those wicked men swept the majority of Jews living in or visiting Jerusalem at the time into a mass rejection of the man whom God had accredited. They shouted, crucify him. Yes, those ordinary people in that moment became responsible for putting Jesus to death and nailing him to the cross. You did it, says Peter, rather bluntly. We cannot stand off from that moment and claim that we would have acted differently. 
Which of us has not gone along with the crowd in some shameful action? Or just kept quiet, shaking our heads perhaps in disgust, but lacking the courage to shout, No! John Stuart Mill in 1867 said this, Bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. In verse 24 of Acts 2, we have a great but. There are some marvellous buts in the scriptures, but here's one of them. But God was not defeated by the weakness and foolishness of the crowd, nor by the rank wickedness of the few. Most certainly not. Yes, his own precious son was laid in the tomb. Messiah still and all alone. But God... But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This was God's greater purpose. This is why he could allow such wickedness to kill his son. Jesus went through the pains of death and emerged triumphant on the other side. I do so love the phrase, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Jesus lives. His life is indestructible. Satan beat him down and thought he had won. But no, Jesus proves resilient, slippery, unconquered. In the words of an old hymn, Vain the stone that watched the seal. Hallelujah! Christ hath burst the gates of hell. Hallelujah! This is what gives us hope in the face of our own deaths. We know that Jesus has been there before us. Because he lives, we will also live with him. We can face death calmly, joyfully, as the gateway to fullness of life. Now Peter goes from that thought straight to great King David. And it was as natural to Peter to quote the Psalms as it is for me to phrase my thoughts in the words of hymns that I learned in my teens. Of course, David lived long before the time of the first Easter, yet he already knew the hope of the resurrection. I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, it will not, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. David sees something beyond his own death, not with actual physical vision, but with the eye of faith, which is the evidence of things unseen, as we read in Hebrews 11 verse 1. He sees that God will not abandon him. There will be fullness of joy in his presence. Peter goes on to explain how this was possible for David. He says, but he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. David knew God's promise. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. 
2 Samuel 7 verse 16. David understood that the forever part of this promise involves the resurrection. Humans do not live this life forever, but if God makes his Messiah reign forever, then both the Messiah and his subjects must live on after death. Therefore David believed in the resurrection. He was confident of it. How much more reason do we have to be confident about it, who live after the first Easter? Our other Bible passage in John 20 also speaks of seeing. Jesus mysteriously arrived in a locked room. He showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus greets them and commissions them and empowers them with the Holy Spirit. But Thomas missed out. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas wants proof. He needs to see the evidence for himself. Then a week later, Jesus appears again. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus does not rebuke Thomas, but rather encourages him to check it out. And here is the proof that he needs. And Thomas is overwhelmed. His response is worship. It's all true. Jesus is alive and he is Lord and God. Surely this was a light bulb moment. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In verse 29. We are not able to see, much less touch Jesus physically as Thomas did. We, like every generation of believers since that first band of disciples, must see with the eye of faith as David did. We have the accounts of those people who were eyewitnesses. We can read what they saw and experienced. We can look at the strong evidence that their writings are authentic and historic. They were written so that we may believe. Verse 30 of John 20 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We may share in the confidence that the apostles had on the day of Pentecost, because the facts are true. God really did raise Jesus from the dead. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, it became real for them. They had new confidence, new strength, new boldness to proclaim Jesus. They were a tiny minority, but they turned the world upside down. It was the power and presence of God himself with them and within them who made all the difference. He turned the lights on and kept them on. 
that power and presence of God himself with us and within us makes all the difference to us as well. Let's ask God to fill us afresh with his spirit so that we too may have new boldness and confidence in the message of Easter. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Here's a prayer you might like to use and if you do then you join in with a loud Amen at the end. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing the death of your son Jesus to pay for our sins. Thank you for raising him from the dead. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit to be with us forever. Please fill me afresh and be with me every day. Give me new confidence and new strength to live for you. Amen.